the In Conversation podcast series with author Nigel Beckles. Welcome to the podcast. Get ready for takeoff. Welcome back to my In Conversation podcast series. In this episode, I explore the top relationship myths that cause many people problems in their romantic lives with relationship coach Harry Addo. Hi, Harry. How are you doing? Hey, Nigel. Good, 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 man. I'm glad to be back. How long have you been a relationship coach? I've been doing this, Nigel, for over three, four years. Well, for myself, you know, I've been a relationship coach for probably three years now. Took my certification mm-hmm. after I published my first book on relationships, um, how to avoid mm-hmm. making the big relationship mistakes. Long title, but um, mm-hmm. SEO considerations, etc. For this episode, we're going to explore some of the love myths that people believe and they fall prey to. You know, it's quite interesting when you actually Mm -hmm. consider some of the things that people believe about love. So the first love myth I want to explore with you Mm -hmm. is the myth that powerful attraction or sexual chemistry equals true love. Because a lot of people fall into this trap of thinking that, oh, well, I'm really sexually attracted to this person or I find them really Uh sexually irresistible. And they assume that's love. Why do you think that happens? Mm. It, it's so interesting because um, I, I was reading your book, right? And you kind of speak about the morality involved in that, right? How people's sexual activities tends to get intertwined with their conception of morality. And I was thinking about that and I, you know, it occurred to me that this seems to stem from the romantic movement, right? So romanticism kicks off in the 18th century you know, I really think that it was from the incidents, from the, the germination of the Romantic movement. Then we, you know, that was when we started to associate sex and love, you know. So I think it has strong roots in the proliferation of, you know, romantic notions stemming from the 18th century. And then that gets perpetuated, you know, over time in social discourse, in social norms, And then, you know, the consequence of that is, well, this is what we start to believe. And, you know, this is what the people around us believe. And, you know, there is safety in doing what other people are doing, right? Social uh, social conformity, because as um, Richard Taylor, Richard Taylor uh, mentions in his book, Nudge, and I really hope that it is Richard Taylor in Nudge, speaks on how we tend to do what most people are doing because it communicates to us that, well, if most people are doing this thing, well, this must be the right thing. This must be the safe thing. You know, so there's an element of psychological safety and that then becomes etched into our social our social psyche that's what i think about it i think the story of romeo and juliet also has a lot to do with it myself um (laughs) because that's one of the greatest love myths of all i think not being sexist or anything but i feel that women Mm -hmm. are more prone to fall for the myths especially the powerful attraction and sexual chemistry because there can be a kind of guilt for a lot of women where if they actually sexually interact with someone they assume that well they should take it forward as a relationship or take it forward and try and make it a relationship when Mm. there is no such obligation to do anything i mean people can have sex quite happily and shake hands and that's the end of Mm -hmm. that it doesn't have to transform into a full-blown relationship you know you know it's very interesting that you say that because one has to you know bear in mind the evolution of society as it pertains to women being able to express their wants and needs right up until very recently maybe 
you know, the last five, ten years for a woman to own her her sexuality or her sexual desires, there is a certain connotation of promiscuity, which which one could then draw a connection between that and then the entanglement between a sexual relationship as well as you know love and and you know you could you you can or one can infer that maybe repression or suppression of you know women's ability to express and manifest their sexual inclinations amongst other things well the way i look at it there's always been a double standard i mean if a guy has 10 sexual partners in two weeks his friends will probably Mm -hmm. pat him on the back and say oh good job yet if a woman was to do the same thing they'll probably be called all sorts Mm. of unpleasant names shall we put it like that right right Um, and and, and, you know that's something that we've both seen i'm sure you've seen that in in your own sphere of influence right in terms of people that you've been around friends family and whatnot so i think it's important to make the distinction that there's a difference between Mm. having great sex and falling in Mm. love and being in love because otherwise people can be out there deceiving themselves thinking that oh well i've met this person we've had great sex Mm. and this is going to lead to a long lasting relationship when in fact that is not always the case in fact it's very rarely the case to be quite honest because you can get blinded by the fact that oh yeah we have a really great sex life but then what is the rest of the relationship like the rest of the relationship may may not be that great makes a lot of sense and i think that you know in social discourse it's almost like the quality of your sex life is given precedence over everything else right if there's good sex well then i'm going to excuse all the red flags and all the flaws and maybe pernicious elements of the relationship. And by the way, this is the same for men and women, right? So let's have a look at the other love myth, love at first sight. Because I have clients, you know, and they say, oh, well, I met this guy or I met this woman and she's really lovely. First time I met her, I knew she was my soulmate. That Mm. doesn't really happen in the real world. Again, you know, I bring it back to romanticism. Honestly, the, you know, romanticism. And I call this, you know, the, the drawbacks of romanticism, where these values and virtues around this you know, the one, the one who can just stare at you, you know, they give you that gaze, they gaze into your spirit, the one who intuitively knows what your preferences are, what your desires are, things that you like, the things that you don't like, so much so that they don't have to ask, because if they truly are the one, they should intuitively know. And, and I really do believe it stems back to these ideals that, you know, came about from the romantic movement. Well, I suspect that at the end of the day, a lot of people who fall into the, the love at first sight myth, they're often lonely. They're often desperate to meet someone special. And then they kind mm. of overlay their wants and expectations onto the one. As you were speaking on that, it, it occurs to me that, let's be honest, the more you get to know someone, the more your levels of intimacy go deeper with another person, you know, the more exposed you become to some of the less savory, some of the more unsavory elements of who they are, of their personality, etc. Now, when you think of that idea of, you know, love at first sight, you're getting a glimpse at the best version of another person, unencumbered by any any real context surrounding who they are, what their background has been, what their 
personality might be, their temperament, etc. right? You're meeting someone for the first time, you're maybe out in a public place, maybe it's on a night out, maybe it's at a gathering, maybe it's at a party, whatever the case may be, an airport, wherever it may be, whatever the case may be, but you're seeing the best version of that person. And it's like a snapshot into who this person is, right? So, of course, when you compare that to other individuals that you know on a more intimate level, then you end up elevating this image of this individual above what may be appropriate. As uh, the comedian Chris Rock says, when you meet somebody and get involved with them in terms of a relationship mm. for the first year, you're actually meeting their uh -huh. representative. In reality, everyone puts forward their best version of themselves when they meet somebody new. Applies to yeah. relationships or any other kind of social interaction. 100%. You need to put the best version of yourself forward because there is, you know, social currency to be gained from that. Social currency or whatever other currency you're after. Unfortunately, there are many people out there who will put their best version of themselves forward, which in fact will be fake. It won't be real. That persona is just created to entice somebody into their web. Many men and women have become involved in relationships based on love at first sight. And mm -hmm. it's been the biggest mistake of their lives. It really has. And, you know, it's it's quite unfortunate in that in that regard, right? Just the sheer popularity of this notion. You know, I've had numerous people say to me, yeah, when, when I met them, I knew they were the one. And, you know, now they've, they've, they've left me and I can't wrap my head around it. How could they? You know, but it, it, it comes back to this false notion. And like, you, like you've termed it, you know, it's a love myth. And I'm glad that we, you know, we've had the chance to, you know, deconstruct it somewhat. I think we should also explore the fact that movies and TV and media, they encourage the myth. If you watch various mm. movies, the scenario will be man meets woman, woman meets man, and it's they uh -huh. glance at each other across the room and there's instant chemistry and it's love at first sight, etc. And that is not how real life really works for a sustainable relationship. Absolutely. You're, 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 you're spot on there. And, and, and again, you know, that sort of, quintessential you know man meets woman you know they stare at each other from across the room etc etc you know I, I trace that back to romanticism you know it, it's just sort of perpetuated itself over time and now it's affected movies and genres of literature etc and and to say this by the way is not to say that i'm anti-romantic but you know i think there are obvious pitfalls pertaining to um a a, a full immersion you know, into the ideals of mm. romanticism. Yeah, one of my favourite sayings is follow your heart, but take mm. your brain with you. Take your brain with you. I like that. <laughs> I like that. Follow your heart, but take your brain with you. Yeah. That's a nice one. So another myth that goes around is that people believe that their every need will be fulfilled by their perfect partner, which obviously puts a lot Ooh. of pressure on their partner or their potential partner. But that is a very mm -hmm. misguided myth. Why do you think that happens? This is such an interesting one because, again, I think it's these notions in society that this, the one, again, the one, will be so in tune with the with every facet of your being and of your spirit that as a matter of fact you need them to come into your life to complete you and and it, you know it's quite it's quite dangerous there's a quote from your book it's um in a strong relationship you should love your companion more than you need them and and i thought to myself you know this is you know it's a very powerful piece because unfortunately some situations the reverse is the case and that's when 
it gets very dangerous and very tricky. You know, as Esther Perel says, you know, expecting one person to meet all your needs, so your need for security, your need for adventure, your whatever monetary needs you may have, whatever the case may be, expecting one individual to meet all these needs, especially when you consider the complexity of human nature. It's like expecting one person to do what in the past an entire village used to do do inevitably that type of expectation is doomed to fail because no one person is going to fulfill another person's every need in terms of their emotional needs spiritual needs those type of demands are unrealistic those type of expectations are unrealistic and the mm -hmm. person who's expected to provide all of these different aspects to basically fulfill the needs of the other person because they are empty or lacking in some way i would say person who has all of those expectations placed upon them they are going to mm -hmm. end up drained in terms of time and energy oh absolutely absolutely because essentially what you're doing is you're you know conferring godlike status onto this other individual and that is essentially an ideal that they couldn't possibly meet even if they tried as a consequence of that you set the bar so high that no matter what this person does you know it's almost like you've set them up for failure because they will never be good enough how could they ever be as good as god godlike status onto you onto my partner that is really a bid for my own absolution i mean there's a very distinct difference between what you would like in a partner and what mm. you need in a partner the distinct difference between what you would like in a partner and what you need in a partner yeah we all have preferences mm -hmm. as to what we would like in a partner and mm -hmm, you could mm -hmm. also say to yourself well okay well i need certain things from my person i'm involved with which is fair enough mm -hmm. i mean we should all have standards mm -hmm. and we should all have expectations it depends right. on whether those expectations are realistic and whether they're expecting right. the other person to kind of fulfill a tick box exercise where well yeah they've got this they've got that they can do this they can do that etc etc because unrealistic mm -hmm. expectations are one of mm -hmm. the greatest reasons for relationship failure no one's perfect at the end of the day there's not one human mm -hmm. being on the planet who's perfect we all have our flaws etc it just depends on uh -huh. what, what uh -huh. type of flaws you're dealing with if you're dealing with a person who's got a really nasty temper for example well obviously you know, mm -hmm. that type of person needs to be avoided unfortunately we often don't find out about the flaws or the toxic flaws as uh -huh. I call them till after we're involved it's much easier to get into a relationship or get into a marriage than it is to get out of it especially if it's a toxic mm. or abusive relationship but if people are walking around expecting that all their needs are going to be fulfilled by one person by definition mm -hmm. that could be deemed as being codependent or the other term that they use now is self-love deficiency disorder i really love that so what is it self-love deficiency disorder yes because the term codependent has mm -hmm. gained some stigma in recent years some people view the term codependent as victim blaming so yeah so the the new term now or the alternative term i should say is self-love deficiency disorder very interesting another love myth which has been around for a very long time is true love will conquer everything true love will conquer mm. everything so what do you think about that i don't want to sound like i'm i'm on a crusade against romanticism but again the hyper romantic ideal that is right true true love will conquer all so let's ignore some glaring mechanical deficiencies within our relational dynamic because well you know this is true love right and that's where it gets 
potentially problematic. Now, I do admire the perspective or the notion that, you know, things are going to get challenging over the course of a relationship, a long-term committed relationship. There are going to be challenges and one might come to the table saying, I'm ready to face these challenges. I'm ready to do the hard work to dissect what might be going wrong and, you know, we'll find a way. But where that can become potentially problematic is not necessarily knowing when to step away, you know, or not being able to step away. And, you know, you might find yourself, I know of people who have been in situations where their their perspective, their own values have worked against them, where you're so entrenched in the idea of when, when there's a will, there's a way, which is, which is a brilliant, it's a brilliant attitude to have. It shows a lot of resilience, but I've seen people who have endured a lot of pain and a lot of unnecessary suffering on account of that disposition you know and that's where it can get problematic very much so because believing love will conquer all especially if your partner's behavior is toxic can be dangerous i mean if you're with a partner who Mm. has a heavy drinking or drug abuse problem and they refuse to get help and support to solve that problem then you're putting Mm. yourself at risk effectively Absolutely. If there's a tendency in a relationship for one partner to kind of really be realistic and address serious issues that are going on with the partner, it gets to a stage where you're going to have to say, you know what, I have to cut my losses here. This relationship is not enhancing my life. It is damaging my life. 100%. But you see, this is where it gets so challenging because once you become, once you develop that attachment to another person, especially if their behaviors sort of activate your attachment system and you're in this constant state of anxiety, you may start to confuse that enduring sense of anxiety. You may start to confuse that for love. It can get really problematic. So I think it's very important that this myth is debunked and i think it's it's great that you included this in the book and it's great that we're you know we have the opportunity to sort of shed some light on it right now because the reality is love is not enough love is not enough and i have a video out on this where i speak about the mechanics of love you know the 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 more mundane elements of love like you know say you're living with someone who is going to clean the toilet These are the unsexy things that nobody wants to pay attention to. But it is a real thing that you have to address. If you're constantly clashing on these seemingly mundane things, then even though you quote unquote love this person, that may not be enough if, 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 if there's a mechanical imbalance in your relationship. In the final analysis, authentic partnerships require work. A relationship is not going to succeed unless both parties are putting in the work. But there's work and then there's unreasonable work and there's unreasonable expectations as well. So at the end of the day, mm. the reality is many mm. relationships fail due to a lack of overall compatibility and other issues. Yes. At the end mm-hmm. of the day, true mm-hmm. love is not going to conquer all because as, as you say, even even though it sounds very unsexy and unromantic mm-hmm. to say well there are mechanics mm-hmm. to a relationship but in reality there are mechanics to a relationship to make it work mm-hmm. for that mm-hmm. relationship to be successful so the last love myth we're going to explore is only one ah. true love exists that is your true soulmate now bearing in mind there's 5.6 right. billion people in the world how and why mm-hmm. do you think this love myth came about i think you know, at our core, fundamentally, we're all acutely aware of our flaws. No one knows your demons like you do. No one knows your shortcomings like you do. And you don't know another person's demons like you know your own. 
And I think because of this awareness and sensitivity toward our own plight, our own struggle, we all hope, I think fundamentally, we all hope and want absolution. So this notion that there is this one person out there, you know, the one, the soulmate, the one person who is going to look at us and look beyond our obvious glaring shortcoming. I think I think it gives us hope. And in some sense, you might say that it allows us to contend, perhaps contend with our flaws. The one is out there who will accept me for who I am and um, not run away from my hellish nature. The reality is, in the dating game, there are poor matches, good matches, excellent matches. So seeking or waiting for the perfect match is a futile activity. There's no such thing as the perfect partner or the perfect soulmate. It's a myth, which is largely promoted by fairy tales, romantic books and movies. The perfect match is very rare indeed. So waiting for that one and only soulmate could be a very long wait. Yeah, it, it's, it's, so this is, where, this is where it gets so interesting because if you're, let's say if you were to perhaps adjust your lens, and instead think that, you know, there is someone out there that is perfect for me, but perfect meaning compatible. There is someone out there that I'm compatible with because the reality is there are multiple individuals that you are compatible with. And a realistic expectation to have, which is there is someone who is perfect for me, but perfect in this context, meaning somebody who is actually compatible with me, someone who aligns with me on my on my fundamental value that does not mean however that they're like you said we've already touched on this that they're going to fulfill all your needs it may not be love at first sight you know you might not maybe you can't stand this person the first time you meet them right perhaps it will take you cultivating that closeness over time to even unearth the fact that you are indeed compatible but that surely is a more realistic goal to aspire to well harry thank you very much for your insights and we will get ready for episode two lovely nigel have you experienced several failed relationships or been through a divorce how can you avoid making the same mistakes again how to avoid making the big relationship mistakes is out now hi my name is nigel beckles my new book is packed with practical and common sense strategies that you can use to make better relationship choices now you can discover the dangerous myths about love If your relationship expectations are realistic, why you could be falling in love for all the wrong reasons. How to avoid making the big relationship mistakes. It's a book that could change your life. Available from www.relationshipmistakesbook.com and amazon.co.uk. Kindle version also available. Thank you for listening. Please join me for another In Conversations podcast very soon for more interesting and entertaining discussions. Stay safe.